Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and football studies. This week featured our first Champions League match at home against PSV, as well as Premier League match number six, also at home against Tottenham. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Are you are you feeling the whiplash from our performances this week? <laughs> Still, yes, a little bit. Uh, I did actually watch this uh, Tottenham match live, mm. so it was uh, yeah, it was. I went through everything at the same time as you did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say, I so did I. So did I. <laughs> Yep. Ah, but we'll talk about that. We have, we have, we, will. To talk we, about. we have time to get there. Um, the, the first thing I want to do is follow up. So we left some open questions, uh, as far as things I was wondering after watching the recap of Miami's match last week. And there were some kind of rules questions and how might MLS be doing things differently than Premier League that neither of us were sure about. I did some research and have some answers. So for one thing, um, no, MLS does not use Hawkeye technology technology. Um, this is something they decided and put out a press release about a couple years ago, and it seems like nothing has changed in that time. Um, also, my understanding after reading a little bit more about this is now that Hawkeye is actually more complicated than I thought. It is a multi-camera system, and it looks like the automated uh, or semi-automated, the, the line drawing, like the whole VAR offside technology is possibly linked. It's possibly si- using similar variety of camera angles to try and determine whether the ball goes over the line. I had been imagining something built into the crossbar that just points down mm-hmm. and just shows ball crossed, ball didn't cross. You would think that that would be the only <laughs> angle that you would need. If it was like orthogonal to the goal line, but I guess it is more than that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I, I'm only not surprised about that from the sense that when you, I, having, having seen the Hawkeye technology work, I mean, not that I watch tennis regularly, but every once in a while it passes on or it's Wimbledon or something and you, you'll see a, you'll see a play with a rule on it and the way the graphic is sort of designed, it's clearly looking at things from a bunch of different angles and sort oh, of, okay. and then getting to the particular one. So it doesn't, it's interesting. I mean, I know there's been some talk like the NFL in particular, American football has talked about let's put a chip in the football so that when it crosses, like when it touches the goal line and they've just never quite been able to get that to work. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because they keep throwing, throwing the ball around and what that's doing to the interior <laughs> or the chip on the outside, I'm sure is part sure. of that. Uh, but I suspect that idea about using the, the goal line like that, I think it, I'm sure that idea is out there, but I think the technology just, it, it can't quite get that to can't quite get that to work at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so then the other open question pertained to the use of VAR in ruling on offside calls. So there was a case where it definitely appeared that there was an offside pass that led to a goal against Miami in that match. And I heard the commentators make mention of clear and obvious as a standard for even reviewing um, offside in that case. And it does look like this is a difference in MLS compared to Premier League, where they will review it. They will draw, they will probably only draw lines if it looks like it's close enough that they need to, but they will review it no matter what. It seems like they only pull VAR into offside if they think there is a clear and obvious error. Um, it seems like this is a an intentional decision on MLS's part to keep the game moving, not to drag it out. And we see when it does definitely slow the game down in the Premier League when they do have VAR come in and review things. Oh my goodness, when the, the, the one VAR review during the Tottenham match was 
painful for that handball. I don't know how many times they needed to watch the ball bouncing off of that guy's hand before they decided that it was a handball. But yeah, so that does definitely slow the game down. And it seems like Howard Webb, um, you probably know better than I do what, what his actual title and position is within MLS. But this guy has made the decision that no, they want to keep it moving. So they only invoke VAR when there is a real need to. It's not a mandatory review all the time. Yeah, I mean that, and and I I think some of that's probably technology related. Um, you know, it's it, the Premier League, of course, has substantially more money than MLS. Although MLS has more than enough, I think, to make this work if they, if they really wanted to. But yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a philosophical element to that, and we've talked about this too, right? What's the point of replay? Is it to overturn clear and obvious errors or to get the call specifically right? And MLS has sort of trended in another direction to it. Um, which is it, it's largely fine, like uh, as long as there's a sense that there's a clear standard. You know, that's that's really what as a as a fan and you know players generally feel that way. As long as there's a clear standard, we can, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of know what's coming, as opposed to it, it feels like it's something else. Right, uh, feels, and this is clearly. Variable. Yeah, and this is clearly a way that MLS avoids the toenail offsides. Like they're they're not going to be calling it if it's that close a call. They're not going to bring VAR in in the first place. So that that gets right around that. So yeah, yeah. And, and and of all the people, uh, Howard Webb is the so Howard Webb is is in charge of Pro, which in the U.S. is the professional referee organization, which governs obviously the officials in, sure. in MLS. It is essentially, and I'm sure there's some details I'm wrong about this. Essentially, the equivalent of the. Uh, PGMOL in England. I mean, Howard Webb was a longtime official in the Premier League in England. Ah, oh. uh, so he's actually he's actually a, a, a pretty well regarded uh, official overall. And I, I'm trying to remember, he may have actually is he the one who I'm looking this up. Um, uh, he uh, yeah, he actually refereed the World Cup final in 2010. Hmm. Um, so he's generally he's a very well regarded um, official. And yeah. is also and is also um, apparently actually now because I've looked this all up now that is the first person to referee both the World Cup final and the Champions League final in the same year. He did the, huh. the Champions League final in twenty in twenty ten, uh, both of huh. them in twenty ten. So interesting. Is he English? Yes, Howard Howard Webb is uh, from Rotherham, so uh, he is he is in Yorkshire. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the the first one didn't really help me so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was gonna say Netherlands. <laughs> well, that's right. Rotterdam. Uh. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> so uh, you uh, passed along uh, an interesting uh, piece of news for the other football uh, to to go over. What what's that coming up uh, next weekend? Well, so we have uh, there's all kinds of crossover here. So the uh, the NFL is doing its European games. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons uh, will be playing at 9:30 Eastern on Sunday morning, this Sunday, October 1st. Um, which ESPN will be simulcasting with a what they call the Toy Story game. So presumably very similar to was it the Big City Greens and some of those right. other games we talked the it, it, uh, a virtual. They're calling it. This is their word. A, a virtual recreation of the game being played in the Toy Story universe. Now, what that actually looks like in person, I have no idea. <laughs> um, they, uh, um, 
I will be reporting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My son has registered interest. He and I both share a love of Toy Story. Like with the Big City Greens hockey game, this will be the first football game he has ever watched. <laughs> so um, it's doing yes. the job. <laughs> Unfortunately, whereas his entryway into soccer has been with Arsenal and then Leo Messi, his entryway into the NFL is going to be <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I apologize for that. Um <laughs> I shouldn't say that the Jaguars, they both have some interesting players, but anyway, like the Jaguars might not be, might not be bad, but anyway, um, yeah, so they will be, that will be, um, that'll be interesting to her to see. And they're continuing to do that kind of stuff in part because, um, it, you know, it, it's sort of like you're bringing your son in. It's a way to sort of draw mm-hmm. kids in, you know, they're not going to watch an NFL game with all of its typical accoutrements, but you stick it in something that they do enjoy and recognize gets them interested involved in the game apparently they're also um says they're going to have some how-to videos for kids mm-hmm. so it's it's going to be targeted towards a, a child a children's audience um which if you are you know i not that you're entirely new to football and don't understand the sport but i'm sure you might pick up a few things in there as well sure um you know th- that uh yeah, maybe i don't know we'll see i'm um, i'm more familiar with football than with hockey right probably about equally familiar to how I was with soccer before, you know, starting this, this arsenal journey with you, <laughs> probably comparable. <laughs> I had watched more football. I mean, I had yeah. seen some football games before. This is, this is the, this, in spite of the name, this is the one where they use their hands. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually funny. So before we were even talking about the Sunday, fun day, toy story game, uh, my son had asked me, why do they call it football? If you don't use your feet. And I was like, that's a good question. And I, we had a long car ride coming up and I was planning on talking about it and I, I neglected to until we were sitting down and eating and I actually looked it up. And I think the, the story that I got came from, it was the football, the pro football hall of fame, I think had an article that explained how basically American football has its history in soccer and rugby. Mm-hmm. And they were all called football. Like they were both called football at one point until they kind of, until they kind of differentiate between the association football and the rugby football and, you know, association football dropped the association and rugby football dropped the football and American football is like, well, this is our football. And it, it didn't have forward passing initially. Um, and then they added it and it just kind of became part of the game. And, you know, (laughs) we just call football because. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's essentially, essentially that's how I understand for a while it was called gridiron football because the field used to have a grid laid over it. Now it's just, you know, just a bunch of parallel lines, but you know, huh? So, yeah. (laughs) Um, as with last week, uh, I did not actually watch, um, the Miami game, it came on while I was doing other stuff last night. Um, I haven't watched the highlights yet either, but, um, also in conversation with my son, he, he asked, well, I can't say he fully asked this question, but it kind of came up in conversation. It was kind of a question that I asked myself, but, um, we, we were talking about how Arsenal has never been relegated. We we're talking about, okay, I know how we got in this conversation. We we're in North New York, further north than where I live. And there's a turnoff to Leeds. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Leeds. And he was laughing at Leeds. I don't know what made him laugh at it, but as I, I was explaining the reason I was laughing is because, oh, Leeds, that's, that's in England. They're, they have a football club that just got relegated last year. And so we were talking about relegation and I was explaining how Arsenal has never, because he asked, has Arsenal been relegated? And I said, no, Arsenal is one of the few teams. If not, I don't correct me. Was it the only team or one of the few teams that's never they're, been They're the only team that's never been relegated from the top division at right. ever. They're one of a handful that's never been relegated from the Premier League, but the Premier League okay. only goes back to like 1991, right. 92. Right, so. right. Okay. So kind of both. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. It depends on how you're ask, asking the question, but the answer to both is yes. Yeah. So, so then he asked me, has Miami ever been relegated? He's still kind of fuzzy on Miami's a different league, th- th- those kinds of things. And I, I knew the answer is no, clearly they've only been around two years. Like whatever the rules are in MLS, no, they haven't been. But there were some things when I wanted to add more detail, there were some things that I didn't know enough to answer. So does MLS have relegation is kind of the first question. Do do teams move between whatever it's called? The ML, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, the MLS championship or whatever. I know they adopted the name, but um, so do teams move between those two leagues is the first question. No, that's the ample. There's the reason Miami are, has never been relegated is no one has ever relegated. So M- right. MLS is, is what they call a closed system. It, it runs on the same rules, the same structure as any other major American sports league, uh, what they call the franchise model. Um, picture this, and this is how, you know, to me, as a metaphor makes sense. You know, I live in Houston. The MLS team here is the Houston Dynamo. The Dynamo do not compete financially against FC Dallas or Miami or New York City or any of those other teams. The Houston Dynamo compete financially against the Houston Astros, the Houston Rockets. Like they compete (laughs) against the other teams in this particular market. So in a lot of ways, they they work a lot like a fast food restaurant. Hmm. So the NFL is McDonald's. It's the easy, the biggest one. It has franchises everywhere. Right. You know, the next one, Major League Baseball, is I don't know Burger King. I'm just naming names at this point. Sure. Uh, you know, one of them's Chick Fil A, one of them's Taco Bell. But the point is, you're talking about your local franchise, and the question is, from an American consumer's perspective, is where do I spend my entertainment dollars? Mm-hmm. In Europe, that's a little different because of the because of the sort of the hold that soccer has, particularly in England, but yeah, on the continent too. In a lot of respects, those clubs are competing against one another as well, and they're independent entities. The leagues are formulated separately to sort of hold them together, whereas in the American League, the teams do not exist independent of the league. Right. So in that sense, there is no relegation. In fact, technically, the USL, the who runs the, the second, third, and fourth divisions, is an entirely separate organization. Hmm. There is no promotion and relegation. Now, some of what you'll see is over the last decade plus, there's been a lot of expansion in MLS. A lot of what it's been, uh, some of it has been teams that are organizations or, or ownership groups that are in USL are then sort of moving their club. They're not moving the club, but they're applying for membership into the MLS. They get it. And then there's a modification of the club when they move in. So, you know, just I'm I'm now going to rattle off a list of some of them I'm seeing that I know were some of these moving up teams. I think Minnesota was one, Orlando was one, Cincinnati, Nashville, um, and even Miami. Eh, Miami was a different different group, uh, but still, this idea that you have these teams um, 
that the organization doesn't transfer its records or anything in, but a lot of them will sort of start with some of the leftover players from when they were in the USL. Some of them bring the same coach up, um, but they're they're moving into new stadiums. They'll rebrand. They'll change the name. So there's a lot of transition that goes in there technically in a business sense, different entities. Okay. So, yeah, I, yeah, I guess the short answer is it basically works like all the other American leagues pretty much like at, yeah, just, at a high it level. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so when you when you when you join MLS, you the expansion, it's much, again, like joining another league. The league decides they want to expand. Uh, ownership groups apply based on their cities and their market. And if they're accepted, you have to pay a massive expansion fee. Um, and then within a couple of year, a year or two or however long they decide the timetable is, you're in the league. And they've all, mm-hmm. all of them have expanded relatively recently. I think the last, well, MLS keeps expanding. They're going to add, uh, St. Louis is brand new this year. Hmm. And then San Diego will be the 30th team, which I just saw is in 2025. So next hmm. year, there's next year, nothing new. And 25, we'll add San Diego. Um, NHL expanded recently with Vegas in the last like, like six years ago. And then Seattle has been in, just finished their second season. So you see that in other, in other leagues as well. Baseball is apparently talking about expansion, but it's the same thing. You apply and are sort of let in, and then they restructure the league based hmm. on that. Yeah, that's... I can see that. I can see how it fits in the fast food model that you laid out. That makes <laughs> sense. Um, since you mentioned St. Louis being a new team, that actually dovetails with a question that I've had for a few weeks now. I'd seen in the Apple TV app something about SKC, which I think is Kansas City's, like soccer or Kansas City or something. Sport, sporting Kansas City. Okay. So is SKC versus STL St. Louis new rivals rumble. This is a game on September 2nd. How, how was this rivalry manufactured? Like what are the, on what grounds do the, does this rivalry stand? Like we've talked about like Arsenal and Tottenham, like we'll be talking about later, right? We talked last season about, well, Tottenham was in North London from the beginning. Arsenal kind of moved into their territory in North London. That makes perfect sense as the beginnings of a rivalry. I can totally see that happening. Mm-hmm. Like you've got these two new soccer teams formed in in the last year, right? Like one of them. How do they become rivals with each other? What what happens? <laughs> I mean, all all rivalries really start from from two particular things. One is proximity. That is like Arsenal and Tottenham. They're in the, they're essentially the same neighborhood. They're close to each other. Arsenal, Chelsea, both being in London. Um, you know, there's a, a regional proximity. So, I mean, a lot of like college rivalries are like this or the Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, Ohio state, Michigan, uh, you know, the sense that you've got two teams that are close together. And so there's a certain amount of geographic, um, the fight for geographic supremacy. Mm-hmm. The other rivalry is formed as a result of competition. Typically, you have two teams competing against each other, and these rivalries tend to ebb and flow over time. Sometimes they're really big because both the teams are really good, and then when one of one or both of them drops off, no one cares as much anymore. And hey, say, remember, you know, remember like ten years ago, we were really big rivals with how big those games were. Um, (laughs) You know, an example of that one would Arsenal Manchester United. I mean, yes, it's a big game, and we've sort of talked about the emotions that come with it. But I mean, when they, those two, you know, 15, 20 years ago were on top of the, like their games were for the league title. That was a massive game in, in terms of the context of the league. And it, it, you know, people, you'll hear today, people tell how it's kind of lost its luster or has, is it getting it back? And I mean, 
You're probably not unless the two of them actually start to, you know, take that prime, those two prime positions in the league. And frankly, as long as Manchester City keeps spending money the way they do, no one will do that. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, you know, so in this case, sporting, you know, Kansas City and St. Louis is entirely geographically based. They are on opposite sides of the state of Missouri or in the case of Kansas City, um, they're technically in Kansas, but still Kansas City and St. Louis have mm-hmm. a longstanding rivalry as, you know, sports rivalry. I really, at this point, it's just the, the Cardinals and the Royals for baseball. I don't think they have, yeah, I don't think they actually share uh, any other, because St. Louis doesn't have an NFL team. I don't think they share any other sports. Um, but yeah, so there's there's something of a, a longstanding rivalry between the cities and the clubs mm-hmm. there are picking up on that. Much like New York, you know, both Red Bulls and New York City have their regional rivals each other, but they also have a ri- rivalries with New England and with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Because New York, the city, has rivalries with Boston and Philadelphia, so they're in a lot of ways they're kind of drafting off of that. Um, sure, that makes and sense. And you'll see that as well. But the the favorite one, my favorite one though, is uh, in in the state of Ohio. Uh, Cincinnati and Columbus have a rivalry, which I mean, Cincinnati's only been around like five or six years. Columbus is an old MLS club. It's old MLS club. So it's like <laughs> not even thirty yet. Um, but the the rivalry is named after a billboard sign that I have seen on the interstate that ro- highway that runs between Cincinnati and Columbus. Uh, was put up by a uh, someone who was trying to get people's attention for spiritual matters, and so the, it's a giant billboard that just says "Hell is real." <laughs> and so the nickname of the the fan bases have nicknamed their rivalry "Hell is real," which which I like. I can't I appreciate. It. Still, so though, the, the clever yeah, the cleverest one, of course, being the two. Uh, Los Angeles teams, LAFC and the LA Galaxy, their their rivalry is nicknamed El Trafico. <laughs> that makes sense. It's just delightful. <laughs> so the Hell is Real billboard was about the game, or it was just unrelated no. and people passed it on the way to the match? No, it was. it's a billboard. I mean, I, I don't know how much you know about the state of Ohio. Not I know you're from, you're from the Chicago <laughs> area, so you know, yeah. maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah I, not, I mean, Ohio, much. outside of the major cities, Ohio is pretty rural and... These are blunt instruments, but if we think in the sort of pseudo-traditional red-blue divide, the cities are going to be relatively blue, the rural area is going to be relatively red, particularly a very uh, religious form of that kind of conservatism. And so you will see giant billboards where the it, it's a series of billboards where, you know, hell is real, where will you go when you die, mm-hmm. call this number okay. for a Bible, that kind of like, and so... Gotcha. It, but it is a pretty stark thing to just, especially when you're in Ohio, which let's be honest, is fairly flat. He said from Texas, which is also fairly flat, but it, it, you can see it from quite a distance off, and it just, they're very stark. Hell is real. Well, okay. Then. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Yeah, most, mostly I've passed through Ohio and don't recall that billboard, but I, I will point out as a PSA to any listeners who happen to plan on ever driving through Ohio, watch your speed. I think that's that's speeding tickets sustain the economy of Ohio. I have a feeling, or at least the government there. I have never. Um, I've, I mean, I've driven through it a bunch of times. I've never, I never actually been pulled over on it. But yeah, um, I will. I, I yeah, I'll, there's a they're they're out there, and, and they know yeah. so many people pass through, mm-hmm. and they're not going to come back to fight the ticket. Like yeah, it's uh oh yeah that yeah. that sort of thing. I will I will say though, as someone who has been to Ohio and in, in several different places, I I actually I have an affinity for the state of Ohio. I I appreciate it for what it is, and I actually like Cleveland. I've enjoyed my times visiting Cleveland. 
Columbus, not so much, but that mm. probably has more to do with the <laughs> Ohio State University. But that's that's for a different podcast. So yeah, <laughs> I think we've put it off long enough. I think we should uh, get to our main topic. The the first of which is going to be the PSV match from uh, from what it, whatever it was uh, Wednesday Wednesday last <laughs> week. So uh, September twentieth, uh, we we really trounced them four um, nil. This was our. F- our re-entry into a Champions League. It was uh, quite a statement, <laughs> statement of intent there. <laughs> did you did you have fun? Did you enjoy the Champions League night? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, and it was night for me because I watched the replay later on <laughs> in the day, <laughs> completely unspoiled. You know, I was able to mm-hmm. experience it in, in all its glory as if it were live for me, like like I typically end up doing. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. I it, I really I think part of it is. It was fun in particular because we saw a version of Arsenal that we haven't seen really this season. We haven't really seen probably since even not even the end of last season. Excuse me, probably further back even last season. Um, PSV wanted to play. They wanted to be open. They wanted to attack. And um, so did we, <laughs> is really the <laughs> yeah, best way to say that. They learned their lesson. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's so much a lesson sense. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the Netherlands is a country that by and large is more, plays more open and attacking soccer. Um, so there, there were, I mean, in a sense, they were probably, and obviously they know us a little bit. We played them last year in the Europa League. There's some familiarity there. But I think they came in saying, this is who we are. This is how we play. This is how we're going to play. As opposed to in England, there's a, a greater acceptance of that uh, park the bus, you know, counterattack negative style, especially when you're, like many of the teams we play, tactically or, te- or technically inferior and sort of need to play that way. And, and PSV, uh, you know, it was, it was having a very good season in the Netherlands is not going to play that way. Right. Uh, which was nice because we got, it gave us that kind of open space that we've been wanting and we, uh, we made the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the lesson I was talking about. It's like that, that style, unless you are stronger than us, like we've seen Manchester City do that to us, right? Mm-hmm. Like we saw that last year. Um, but yeah, like it, they know now that hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see a different strategy from them, which will keep, uh, keep us on our toes and keep it interesting. But, uh, yeah. But, it, you know, they, it, we did what we wanted to do with it and, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, I actually didn't see the whole game. I only was able to watch portions of the first half. I, I turned it on. It was already one nil. So that was exciting. I saw two goals and then I had to log off again. And then uh, by the time <laughs> I was back, the game was over. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, I, it, you know, it's, it's night. It, it feels like sort of a, like you're dipping your toes in the water because it's PSV. We literally just played them in the Europa League. But right. It's funny that way. Of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we were playing, Manchester United was playing Bayern Munich. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where we are is, is in that competition. And, and again, for Arsenal fans of a certain age who are, you know, more than five years, this is where Arsenal is supposed to be. Right. You know, this is, this is the kind of club we envision ourselves being who plays in this competition, uh, who thinks we can go deep in this competition, which I think we can. Um, depending on how the draw shakes out. Yeah, this it was sort of a a sense of being back where we belong, which is, it really sort of colors a lot of that. Sure. Yeah, um, a, a few initial remarks. Um, so David Raya uh, maintained his position as our de facto number one uh, in this match mm-hmm. and against Tottenham. Um, the... Uh, general, or I guess the head coach. I was going to say general manager. They don't use that term in soccer, do they? <laughs> well, they don't use head coach either. He's the manager. He's so. the manager. Okay, yeah. thank you. 
<laughs> their manager Peter Bosch, uh, he he does look a lot like Pep Guardiola as you glance at him. Um, I think he maybe wears glasses and Pep doesn't, but uh, the the bald head and facial hair it was uh, <laughs> a oh, little I, bit disorienting. Oh, I, 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 times. See, you were you were talking about about PSV Bosch. I actually yes, he is actually a head coach. They are technically different titles, head coach and manager. Okay. Arteta is a manager, but it means he. Uh, there's something. This was a whole thing, like he because Arteta when he took over was the coach. And then a few months later, they, they elevated that to manager. And that speaks to the fact he has a wider purview within the club than just coaching the team. But, um, actually, as it's just looking, Bosch is the, actually the head coach at ESV. Okay. Um, and a different person is their manager. They don't have, no, they don't have, they don't have a manager. I mean, well, they do have a team manager, but I suspect that's, uh, I don't, I don't know what position they hold. I mean, once you get into Europe, the, the organizational structures are very different. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't quite know all of that. I mean, and they are an open, they, they're a very different kind of club. I mean, in PSV, I mean, their name, it, you know, Philips Sport Vereniging, Vereniging, uh, the <laughs> Philips Sports Association. It started as a club for workers at Philips, the electronics right. company. So it, 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 and they're, they haven't quite disconnected from that entirely. Um, yeah, they're, they're, the organizational structure there is going to be very different uh, than what you would see even in England or even, you know, forget even what the U.S. looks like. Right. Yeah. So uh, the next thing I noticed that was kind of interesting, and I, I don't recall this. I, I would have thought that this would have been the same way in the Europa League, but I don't recall. So it might not have been, but it seems like the champions league has their slate of sponsors of the league. And they were showing, they had a graphic that they would show at the halftime break and before the match. And probably after the match, they had like all their logos. And those were the sponsors on the sideboard ads during the match, Mm -hmm. which was really interesting. I'm used to seeing a certain handful of sponsors that we see for Arsenal matches. A lot of it is Arsenal advertising its own kits and stuff like that. And then the Adidas ads for their shoes, whatever they're trying to promote and stuff, right? Their cleats. But yeah, these were like separate different ads for like non-English European (laughs) companies. It was kind of, it was kind of weird knowing that we were at the Emirates, but seeing these foreign to England ads was, was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the champions league. That's partly where it's money comes from. Of course, it's all the advertising. I mean, Heineken's a big one. And there's a couple of, I mean, like there are companies you probably all recognize um, as you see them, you, you know, them as, as businesses are recognized. Some, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Champions League is ruthless about that kind of, Europe is, you know, UEFA is pretty ruthless about that kind of thing. Um, And I think we talked about this a little bit last year. I, You know, even then, even the stadium in European competition, at least this, I'm pretty sure this is still the case. It definitely used to be. Um, We we do not play at the Emirates Stadium. We play at Arsenal Stadium. Hmm. Because they won't use the name Emirates since Emirates Hmm. is not a sponsor of the Champions League or every (laughs) European competition. Interesting. So they're pretty. They are pretty ruthless about that. But it it it, it, it there is that sense of sameness, right? That the ads you see at a Champions League game are the same, whether it's in London or in right. Munich or Madrid or anywhere. There's they're all the same ads because it's you're watching a Champions League match. Right. The competition is the brand as much as any of the individual clubs. Yeah. Interesting. That rule about the stadium name that carries across any name of a stadium that has a, a company title that isn't a sponsor of the Champions League, they strip that away. 
I believe so, yes. I mean, I say they strip it away. It just, what it means is during the broadcast, you'll see right. it listed as Arsenal Stadium, right. or the announcers will say, we're at the Arsenal Stadium in London, as opposed to when right. we're in the Premier League, we're at the Emirates Stadium. Right. The only way you're getting your company's name mentioned during a Champions League broadcast is, F you pay me, like to paraphrase uh, Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you know, and some of, I mean, some of them have their own ads, you know, the names are stuck elsewhere, uh, but there, there are ways around, around it, so to speak. But you see a lot of stuff is also covered up by hmm. Champions League, you know, paraphernalia or other Champions League identifiers. Cause that's, yeah. I mean, that's there, there, you know, it, 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 there's a real benefit to having your name associated with that competition. Sure. Um, the NFL does this sort of the same way is, is pretty, pretty ruthless about what gets advertised or what gets named or shown during an NFL game, especially, I mean, most famously, they really go nuts on the Super Bowl. Sure. So they, yeah, so you'll hear even advertisements, you know, talking about the big game. Because if they say Super Bowl, the lawyers are going to be all over them, (laughs) you know, immediately all over them. So, right. um, Yeah. I never realized that that was the reason for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The business side of sports, as it were. <laughs> My favorite one, actually, is you'll see bars or other places have a not a Super Bowl party, but a superb owl party. <laughs> that if you shift the letter one over. That's a good one. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go into some of the finer details of the match. I mean, it was just I mean, the, the entire first half was just I, I think the, the phrase we used last season was champagne football. It was just like. Everything was falling into place. It, mm-hmm. They presented no challenge. It was it was really really something to watch. Yeah, we really. I mean, we were we were imperious. We were dominant. We were we were everything you'd want to be. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 goals. Saka scores the first year Champions League goal since Theo Walcott in 2016. That was, you know, that was. I I remember Theo Walcott. I'm sure you know, <laughs> just didn't mean anything to you, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just great to see. They did well. Jesus got on the scoreboard. I mean, things went so well that by the time, you know, they, but you got to later in the second half and they were able to pull Saka and Jesus and some of the key players off the field and get them mm-hmm. some rest because we were, the game was over. And, yeah. you know, not that we're counting points yet in the group necessarily, but we beat up PSV. Sevilla and Lens drew 1-1. So we're mm. on top of the group. And we are in a well positioned, at least early on. We still have to play Sevilla twice. We still have to go to PSV. You know, there's still a lot to be played for. But right. you know, the goal is not just is to win the group, which will give you theoretically an easier draw come the round of sixteen. But we're a long right. way from that. But still, it's you know, it's nice to start out with a good with a really good result plus four on goal difference. It's just yeah. it's just great. Apparently, though, it was pouring. I, you know, you saw in the video, it was pouring rain the whole night and mm-hmm. people were talking about how waterlogged it was. Uh, but yeah, to play like that in that weather too was, was nice. It was very nice. I actually uh, participated in a waterlogged game on Saturday morning. Uh, hmm. It's definitely not as fun being the coach during a watery soccer game as it is being a player. <laughs> yeah. With the player, I mean, it, anytime you're in one of those, it reaches that point where you're just soaked and it doesn't matter. Any, like, oh yeah. You there's, yeah. It doesn't, you're never getting dry. So who cares? Um, I definitely reached that point. People were like offering me umbrellas and I was like, yeah, why it's, it's yeah. fine. 
the, the biggest problem is I'm like, I'm standing there with my clipboard trying to manage like line changes and stuff. And mm-hmm. the paper is so saturated. My pen won't work anymore. It's like, yeah. Okay. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, you know, what? just say, just say you come on. Somebody comes on. Someone comes yeah. off. We'll figure it out. <laughs> that, that only happened toward the end. So it was fine. <laughs> I only had to do like one kind of impromptu, uh, ad hoc change, but yeah. So, uh, the, so I was watching this later on at night and it was actually kind of funny for me. This was the first time for the last like maybe 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes of the match. I actually fell asleep. Like I, <laughs> I generally am not getting enough sleep. And when I'm watching like a movie or something, especially if I've just eaten or something, I'm tending to not off these days. I'm going through a period like that. Never for an Arsenal match, right? Like I, I will watch it begin and end and it's just, it's holding my attention, but it's just, we were four nil. <laughs> there was no threat. And I think my mind just knew it could let go. <laughs> yep. It's a good feeling. I'll tell you, yeah. it's a good feeling. Yeah, so you know, I, I I woke up momentarily and confirmed. Oh yeah, okay. No, we we did win. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> can but, confirm. Yeah, so a couple other uh, notes from the match. So for one thing, um, so this was a replay I was watching on Paramount Plus. First of all, I'm hoping this trend continues that the replay was available in a timely manner. I know some of our Europa League matches, when I went to watch a replay of that after I got home from work or something, it wouldn't get posted until like way later on or the next day even. And I'm hoping that the Champions League gets more of their resources (laughs) to keep that timely. Mm. Um, It was also funny... I don't know if it's going to stay this way or maybe it'll only be this way through the group stage or something, but there's no halftime show. So it was kind of funny watching the replay. I'm in the habit of, okay, half is called. I usually skip forward 10 minutes because that's enough that will have like the five minute halftime show and five minutes of ads. And then the game comes back roughly around then. But I skipped yeah. forward 10 minutes and I was like 10 minutes into the second half. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's nothing. It goes straight from end yeah. of first half to beginning of second half. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a suspicion there because with the Champions League, I think they do a lot more to line the games up into windows so that several games are happening simultaneously, which means you get a, a single halftime show. Uh, a lot like watching the NFL, you get a single halftime show that tries to talk about everything. And so it's really, I, and, and I've gotten this impression, I don't know this is exactly how they do it, but like with the NFL games, you're actually only getting a half. The halftime shows only like, they're on the air for like three, four, four or five minutes. Like they really aren't right. doing very much. And mostly it's just like uh, they're trying to recap four games at once. And so you usually just go around the table. Okay, what's the most interesting thing you've seen in the first half today? And they don't mean of your game. They mean of the seven games that we're showing right now. What's the yeah. most interesting? Yeah, like, what's something that stood out to you? And so you'll sit in the half of the show and they'll never mention your game or your team at all. Um, which, you know, I uh, United and, Bur- and Byron apparently played a pretty wild one. So I, sh- I assume they may have talked more about that. I mean, Arsenal looked really good against BSV. Right. What else? That's it. I don't know what else yeah. to say about the first half. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if you're in that space, where you're trying to truncate and talk about and try and talk about a bunch of different things. So, sure. um, but I don't know. I didn't see the halftime show either. So I can't say really how they, how they approach that. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know who's responsible for such things, but somebody needs to update the super Mick Arteta chant because <laughs> Tierney's not on the team anymore. And we're not on our way to the champions league. This is being chanted while we are in a champions uh, yeah. league match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I've I've heard that I've heard some I've heard some. Well, apparently last year there was a real big thing about um, the line about on their way to Champions League, 
Uh, during the course of last season, some people switched it to say Arsenal on their way to win the league, talking about where we were ah. last season. Or there was also uh, Arsenal Arsenal going back to Champions League. or yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's probable, that, or Arsenal going to win the Champions League. Uh, you know, there, there were all of those, like, there's slight modifications made, but there's, since there's no overarching authority to any of this stuff, right. there are a lot of these versions <laughs> flown around. I've heard, you know, that we've got uh, Gabby in the back and Gabby in attack. So it's oh, okay, crazy. right. So <laughs> yeah, I have I don't know what the official version is right now. Uh, that's yeah. basically what that what I mean by, by all of that. Um, yeah, one. Uh, oh, actually, no, never mind. That was a point I was going to bring up from the Tottenham match, not from uh, from PSV. So, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we take our uh, midway break? No, just just it's good to be back. It's good to yeah. be back. Well, it's also good to record podcasts with Zencaster like we do. So uh, we use it every week. We I sign in. I open up the session. Keith joins. A couple minutes later, we hit the record button and we uh, we get talking. And then Zencaster takes care of everything else. Um, we do most of our video post production. It's responsible. Typically, when it's just me and Keith, it, it'll do a side by side split. Is how I have it configured. But it's really nice. It came in super handy when we had. Had uh, Mike on last week, and it we did their Zen view where it has one big person who's speaking, and everybody else is in a little picture-in-picture window, and it manages all that for you, and it rotates, you know, whoever's talking versus in the bottom. Uh, hopefully, uh, if we have any other guests on in the future, we'll be able to get some additional video because that was not ZenCaster; that was just uh, our our guest co-host uh, not having a video uh, feed available. So, um, but it looked great, and we're uh, really thankful to be able to have access to a tool like that that makes things so super easy. I spend so little time on the video. I spend way more time editing audio after the fact for the audio podcast feed um, because Zencaster is super easy to record. Uh, you log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. Record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You can feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable, as very often happens. Um, if you have thought about podcasts before and realize that you need a lot of different tools and services, or at least you thought you did, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and then distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. You can also use their new iPhone app to be able to record while you're on the go. Um, so if this sounds good to you, if you want to get your passion project kicked off, start your own show, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing, use our code Gooner, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. If you can't remember that there's no you and Gooner, we do offer a link in our show notes or our show description. You can click on that link and it's the same as entering the code. So nothing to remember, just go there. I want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. And it's time for you to share your story. So thanks again to Zencaster. Tottenham. <laughs> so this was an interesting match. Uh, I, I clearly wish it had gone better. I clearly wish that we ended it with a better record than Tottenham instead of remaining even in points with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it, you there, gosh, there's so many different interesting things to say about this one. Um, I think the first one is, is sort of the big news coming out with the, when the lineup came out. Obviously, we saw Raya in net again, which he's the number one keeper now. Yeah. Like, that's, that just kind of has just happened. And, I mean, I'm not super surprised that it's happened, but I, I thought, you know, it, it, it when Ramsdale replaced Leno, 
you almost saw it coming. The team had been awful for those first three games. It, none of it wasn't Leno's fault. They were getting blown out, but it felt like a good moment to try something different. And Ramsdale was very different. You know, I didn't think Ramsdale. Would, I thought Ramsdale was fine during those first few games. I, I you know, I mean, right. maybe I could have nitpicked some things here and there, but I thought he was fine overall. And then just, but then again, I, you know, Raya statistically, we talked about last year was a better goalkeeper. And yeah. presumably he is doing the same thing in training. And now he's the, you know, he's the man. He's, he wears the shirt. He's the number one. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I presume we'll see Ramsdale next week in this coming week in, in the Carabao Cup. And maybe Ramsdale will be more of a cup keeper. Um, but yeah, Raya's the number one. So that's, uh, that, it's just interesting how quickly that seems to have taken place. Because if you're starting the Champions League and the North London Derby in the same week, you're the number one. There's no... Right. Yeah, that's that's the number one keeper. Right. Yeah, a week ago, we weren't really sure. There was one game, or maybe at that point, two games that we'd seen. It was like, eh, you know, we'll see. Maybe mm-hmm. Bramsdale will be here in the Champions League. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's Raya. I mean, one thing I'll say, and uh, this was more evident to me during the PSV match than during the Tottenham match, but with what, I forget if it was you or Mike, but one of you had pointed out about catching the crosses. Mm-hmm. And after you pointed out, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I do kind of remember that once. Well, paying attention to it fully this week, that is a superpower. Absolutely. Watching him do that, I saw it at least a couple times in the PSV match where, holy cow, this is one of the ways that it is easiest to score against us, as I've seen over the last year or so, where you just get that ball in the air near the goal. All it takes is somebody just catching it the right way, and there's little you can do to defend against that. Well, this is how you defend against it. You grab it before anyone else's head can get on it, and he just gets himself there. I don't know. I I basically, watching him play, I wonder why everyone doesn't play this way. Why doesn't every keeper do this? This seems like how it should be done. I mean, some of it is, it, some of it's, you know, I think a lot of it's just, they, they talk about players at that at level, you know, you hear analysis that it's about who really wants it. Like, well, they all kind of want it. They're all super competitive individuals, but like, there, there's something about the desire to do it, but also a timing. Like, there's a lot of timing that goes into get it. Cause if you miss that jump, well, you're in big trouble. Well, <laughs> all right. Loose yeah. the box and you're way out of position. Right. So there's a timing element too, and the, having the confidence that yes, I am going to go up. I've I've measured this ball. I'm going to go up and get it. You're throwing yourself into a mix where there are people throwing their bodies at other bodies. They're trying to get their head on the ball. So you'll see some of that too, and it you know creates a, a difficult environment to go up and jump and do that. Um, so I think that's part of it. But yeah, I mean he he is really good, and he has been good. And, and Ramsdale was wasn't bad at that, but you can see Raya has been, been very assertive about that. Has done a very good job with it overall. Yeah, um, he just closes off an entire avenue of scoring. If I'm mm-hmm. a manager going into a match against Arsenal, I'm going to be telling my players don't even try scoring that way. Find other ways to approach the goal because it's it's just a dead end. Yeah. But as you point out, it's a really it is a it is a sort of an old school way of thinking that you go down the wing and throw the ball in on a cross. But I mean, it's it's kind of old school and considered somewhat Neanderthalish because of, you know how non tactical it is. But also, like, but also, yeah, I mean, it, as you said, you put the ball in the mi- like a corner kick. You put the ball in the mixer and you get a head on it the right way, and boom. It's a goal. Mm-hmm. So it, I can see that I, I get why teams do it, but yeah, to have a keeper who can, you know, take control of the box like that is, is really good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh man, in the 38th minute, he had that save where he like dove across and he just got one hand on it and just like pushed it away. That was such a key moment where he really kept us in it then. 
And and actually, I really loved that save watching it. And, you know, someone who's playing Keeper, you might be able to speak to this as well. But it really just looked to me very textbook in terms of making a save. He doesn't get out of position. He doesn't lose his footing. He's tracking the ball the whole way. I mean, you see the way he moves his feet. He's he's set. He's up. He's ready to move. And so when the shot comes in, and I heard some talk that it wasn't a particularly great shot. It wasn't a great shot. But from that angle, you you say you back the man to score. But gets gets out, lays out, get a hand on it. It's just a real fantastic save. Yeah, absolutely. So that save came in between our opening goal. I was pumped. <laughs> Saka deflected. Well, actually, so this is actually this goal is one that I did want to talk to you about. So when they initially called the goal, they credited Saka with the goal. And then later on, it looks like it got reviewed and it got changed to an own goal on, uh, what was the player's name? Was it? Um, it was Romero. Romero. I, I knew it was a name start with R. I was going to say Ramirez. Yeah, Romero. Um, it got credited as an own goal. How do you feel about that? Do you, From the angles that you saw, do you think that that should be an own goal or a Saka goal? No, it's an own goal. So, so, there's something of a judgment call on this, but the idea of an, an own goal, what it suggests is if not for the deflection off of the defender, the ball would not be in the net. Right. Um, sometimes you'll see that judgment call where there's a slight deflection and they'll say, yeah, but that shot was on target anyway. Uh, that probably goes in. This had such a dramatic bend. It was almost at a right angle from where, where it was actually added. It's such a dramatic bend. So you think it would have gone clear of the far post? You know, well, with Saka, I think he's capable from that distance. We've seen him curl it in, and if you had told me that he would have curled it in, it would have been an awesome goal, but I think he, it wouldn't have shocked me entirely if he had done that. Yeah. Um, but of course, you don't know that, but it, it's the ball is coming in at that angle, and then it hits Romero and goes this way. So it's a massive change in direction. Would it have gone in without it? Maybe. But it's clear that it went in in part because of the deflection it took off of him. So that's a classic own goal. Um, yeah. You know, it's a judgment call is when the, I guess there's an official scorer who like makes that determination. Yeah. Um, but that to me seemed like that, you know, the, yeah, it, it, it shouldn't have been Sokka's goal. It was really always that. It was just a matter of time before they fixed, they, <laughs> they got that call right. I mean, yeah, it was an own goal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Christian Romero had a rough game, but uh, we can talk about that later. More about that later. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so then it was in the 42nd man that Sone, uh got really an unfortunate bounce off the inside corner of the post. And uh, and it went in and they brought it even again, which was crushing right at the end, just as we were about into the safety of halftime that he drew it even with us. Yeah, but a lot of that, a lot of that. So before we get to the goal, I think I just feel to say, I don't know. How did you think we played overall in the first half? We'll get you to sort of talk about what you saw. Yeah, I mean, not great. I mean, it, it felt like we were kind of toothless in a lot of ways. Like we would kind of have the ball, but weren't really trying hard to get it in, I guess is my overall impression. I mean, I thought I thought we started fairly well. Tottenham controlled possession, but it was a lot. It reminded me a lot of when we played United, how they spent a good portion of the game passing it around their back line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they were controlling possession, but we were sort of dictating the flow of the game. Uh, but I thought, I, you know, Tottenham, I think, really grew into it. And I think, I don't, I think we were very sloppy, that when we'd get possession, we'd get the ball, we very easily gave it away. Some of it was their right. defending. 
Some of it was just, I think, the passing was off. We were a little sloppy in our touches. Um, you know, and I think we, we had a game that could have easily, I shouldn't say it could have easily been a big lead for us, but I think if we had been a little bit more ruthless in the chances we had early on, we could have really put this one away. And instead, we let them hang around and really grow into the game. And then, frankly, that their goal there, I mean, Son is standing between three different defenders. That ball should get, shouldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if Saka loses, that was uh, James Madison. He loses there on the touchline. You know, that's just that's just poor defending. That's a lot of poor, lazy defending. And we got punished for it. Um, yeah. You know that, it, it, and and that kind of as we sort of kept going throughout the game, I felt Tottenham grew into it. And for reasons we can get to as we get to the halftime and the substitutions that were made, I felt like we started to lose our. We were losing our composure a little bit. We looked a little mentally tired. Not so much physically tired, but very mentally tired. And uh, I think that that played into the overall performance. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so coming out of the half, though, so we lost Declan Rice. Do you know what his status is? Uh, he had uh, apparently what I saw was he actually said to come out. He had a, a, a said he tweaked his back or felt some injury, pain in his back. Oh, um, they I the thought ca- I heard his, calf. Well, they said his calf was wrapped on the sideline, but he was, okay. he, it was his back that was hurting. Apparently, he asked to come off, which, you know, I mean, he's been so great for us, obviously, all season. So to lose him in the middle of the game, especially given he's, you know, sort of a replacement for Thomas Party, who is also out. So now we're down both of our defensive midfielders, uh, which is, you know, not great. Um, and so the way that's playing out is, is not ideal in, in that regard. Um, and he's replaced by Jorginho, who is your third choice defensive midfielder, obviously ignoring, we'll get to his, to his involvement in their goal in a moment, but ignoring (laughs) that, I mean, he just, you lose a lot when you take him off the feet, when you take rice off the field and when you don't have party. And that I think was something that we, for, for some of the others, we didn't talk about the other change in the early part of the game, uh, which was that uh, Leandro Chossard apparently picked up an injury. I guess they said, I think they said earlier that day in training. And so he was out. And oh, so already okay. I missed that. In is now starting in the middle. You move Jesus out wide. And so you're already dealing with that. And then as, as players tired and we started to make rotations, right. and substitutions, we're left with something of a, a really kind of uh, more of a mishmash of a team than you might have expected uh, there at the end of the game. Hmm. Um, from the sound of it, the injury for neither of them is is particularly serious. Um, you will see. I, I, the expectation is that none of neither of them was going to play. Well, certainly Rice wasn't going to play against in the League Cup this week. I don't know. Maybe they were thinking about Trossard, but obviously he, the sense is he won't now. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, long term, it sounds like we'll be okay, but in the moment, it was obviously a problem. Right. Now that that all actually makes a lot of sense. I hadn't been paying as close attention to the lineup and how that would affect things, but I could see that <laughs> leading to some of the results that we saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we did get a goal. Uh, it was Christian yeah. Romero again. I told you he was having a bad day. Um, yeah. That's a handball. Yeah. I don't. I don't know... I don't know what the, I mean. Look, I understand you need VAR you need to look at it, but I mean that was once it came out. I mean, 
You see it the first time from any angle that they possibly show it. His hand is away from his body. The ball comes up, bounces down off the hand. They spent two to three minutes reviewing this, and I I don't get it. (laughs) I mean, if anything, the only thing I can think of is they were trying to decide whether or not it would count as a card for being uh, denied, what they call dog so, denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Right. You notice they didn't give a card at all for that. Right. Which I'm a little. You know, it, it it essentially saved a goal. You could give a red card for that. Interesting. Um, for I mean, the the famous one is it was in the World Cup in twenty, I think it was twenty ten uh, in South Africa. Uh, Luis Suarez of, of then of Uruguay, well, still from Uruguay. Um, the, I mean, this was at the end of extra time. The ball was coming in. He's a forward, by mind you, but he's it he was back on defense to defend the game late. Punched the ball out of his own net, like. <laughs> Saved a goal by doing that red card penalty. Sure, uh, they were playing Ghana. Then missed the penalty, and then they went to a shootout, and the Uruguayans prevailed in the shootout. And it's <laughs> like, I mean, in, in some ways, it was the obvious form of gamesmanship, but in the end, it worked actually. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you could argue that based on denying the goal or even a yellow. I think they probably looked and said it was inadvertent. Right. And, which. Okay. Um, yeah, you can kind of see it I, either way. Yeah. I mean, we get the important thing, of course, which is the the penalty, and and Saka yep. buried it with a you know really nice penalty. Uh, just buried it. I thought we did really well overall. They just did well with that. You know, I heard some complaining. There was some weird frustration that you'll notice as soon as the ball hits his hand, like half the Arsenal team, basically anyone standing right around him, immediately goes, right. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. Their hands up in the air. Yeah. And there is something to be said for. Maybe you all shouldn't be doing that because, you know, maybe you should be playing to the whistle necessarily. But you, I mean, it's a, it's a, re- I get it. It's a reaction. Players see that. So you see it all the time. Players see that. And obviously it worked out for us in the end. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's not quite as bad as a game or two ago when, uh, who was it? Thought that, thought that it was a foul and like picked the ball up and then got the handball called against him for doing that. It's not quite as bad as that, but same league. <laughs> right was that trussard who did that i think i anyway, maybe yeah, I don't remember it was right exactly yeah you sort of you do as they say you play to the whistle and right you gotta be careful you gotta be careful with that yep so yeah so <laughs> we're on cloud nine we pulled back ahead toward the beginning of the second half so now we put them on their back foot chasing for a whole minute <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Jorginho. And look, Jorginho's a good player. He's mm. limited in some things, but he does a lot of things really well. He just got caught out there and, and you know, got caught in a, you know, our, our, the center backs were wide because they were, presumably the ball was supposed to go further back towards uh, Raya and then we were going to play it out of the back. Yeah. But it left a lot of open space and, you know, Madison plays it to Son. Son's not going to miss. And uh, it was 2-2. Yeah. And, you know, it's frustrating because it feels like Arsenal really gets punished for those kind of mistakes, but that's, that's, you can't do that stuff at this level. And, you no. know, Spurs are, is, you know, Spurs, I, I think played beyond themselves a little bit. They have some decent players. I thought they, they did some things well overall. I, I don't think they were quite as, I don't think they're quite as good as their record indicates that here they are on top of the league. Like, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they've got some, yeah. some other weaknesses and they'll sort of get exposed, quote unquote, exposed over time. Uh, but I thought that, you know, overall, I thought they played well. They really grew into the game. And then a player like Son, who's, who's, who is still a quality player, uh, fought injuries last year. So, I mean, in a sense, he was kind of down a bit. Right. Um, we were, we were certainly, we were, 
I was a little surprised. I think we were somewhat fortunate that he got, when he got subbed off uh, later in the game, I thought that was an interesting maneuver. Madison went off as well, and he's been excellent for them. But he was he was clearly hurt. Like he had a that weird moment. He twisted his knee. That was like I'm surprised he played a little, as long as he did after hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I wasn't surprised when Madison came off, but it was a little surprising to see Son as well. So I don't right. know uh, what the deal is with that. But obviously, you know. He was on a hat trick, so I wasn't complaining about him coming off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so who who do you think on Tottenham has kind of replaced? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Who, who left now? What? <laughs> Harry, I'm not Harry even joking. Kane, you're thinking of. Harry Kane. I was going to say Harry Kane, but I didn't want to say the wrong name. That was yeah, the name that I was thinking. Of. That was the one. Um, I don't think they've replaced him. And since you can't replace him, he really oh, is an right, excellent but, striker. But took his place as kind of like the figurehead of the team, right? Like well, the most notable ha- player. In a sense, they haven't. The big thing they've done really is they replaced the manager. So this guy they have, um, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of his name, Anje Postacoglu, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, he's he's Australian. Um Really, an, an interesting guy. The last few managers they had, I mean, uh, particularly, particularly they went through um, Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho. Also had um, oh, what's his name? Nuno Espirito Santo, uh, another hmm. Portuguese manager. They had him for a while. Kind of dour, defensive-minded managers. I mean, Mourinho in particular is is renowned by the teams he's not managing as a whiner, which he is. Um, uh, you know, Conte definitely is a guy who complained about what he didn't have versus talking about what he did. Um, and they generally played, we saw, like, we saw Tottenham last year, very defensive, sitting back on the block, looking to break us on the counter. They had Son, they had Kane, they could do that, you know, effectively. But sort of selling Kane and then bringing Postacoglu, who wants a sort of a more open form of the game, I was a little surprised at how effective they were at really taking the game to us. I mean, our midfield was a wreck. We were getting bypassed throughout the midfield especially in the second half. We were, uh, in some analysis, we're frankly lucky to get a draw out of this one, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they were very, they were, they were, they were very dangerous at, at various points, but that, that sort of more attacking style. Um, it's a little, I, I get, it. it's a little more fun to watch, certainly for the fans, but also for neutrals. Um, in a sense, they haven't replaced Kane in the sense that they have another talismanic player. I guess you could say Son, but he was still a big, he was always been a big name for them. Mm-hmm. Really what they've done is now sort of spread that burden out. And so by moving the ball a little more, you're not funneling everything into the one player. They're yeah. sort of changing the way uh, they're structured, the way they move things around. Also, I'm really the big one is, is bringing in Madison, who's been outstanding for them uh, so far this season. Uh, you know, he's a good player. He's a guy Arsenal was looking at, I believe last year, we talked about there was some interest in him last summer. Uh, that never, we never really, I never really went, never really went any further than that. But you know, he's a good player, and he's having been removed from the deteriorating or the sinking ship that was Leicester, has really sort of come into his own a little bit more now as a, as a player at a at what is a, a club that you know will, has real pretensions towards a European spot. So um, right. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that he came from Leicester because I knew I remember the name because how can you forget James Madison, like one of mm-hmm. our founding fathers, but I forgot that he was playing for Leicester last season. So, right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was at Leicester. He was one of those guys who, when they went down, I mean, he's a player that they had been looking, thinking about selling that other teams were looking at him, including Arsenal. Um, and so that he was available when they went down, uh, Spurs signed him and, and there he is. And, right. you know, 
Yeah, and again, he's 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 made the adjustment. He's doing really well uh, for for Spurs at this point. Yeah. So, any closing thoughts on the Tottenham match, or do you want to go to? Uh, I was thinking maybe we'd do Player of the Week instead of Player of the Match, since we had two matches. Mm. Um, not really. I hate. I. I mean, I hate dropping points at home to them, mm-hmm. especially with the yeah. rivalry angle. It good. felt like we were. It <laughs> felt like we were, we were going to have to learn to manage ourselves. Uh, you know, this was their third game in eight days, and Everton had a certain emotion attached to it. The Champions League had a certain emotion attached to it. The, the, the North London Derby has a certain emotion attached to it. And we really have to learn to sort of manage those kind of ebbs and flows and, and not allow ourselves, because there's going to be a sense of fatigue there, and we sort of have to allow ourselves not to get caught up in that. But it'd also be curious to see what Arteta does in terms of lineups. I mean, you know, the injuries are really kind of getting to us. I mean, Rice and Trossard probably aren't out for out for very long. Martinelli, I said, is probably coming back hopefully soon. They're talking about um, hoping to have Thomas Party back for the City game in in mid October, so in a couple weeks. So hopefully okay. we start to get some of these guys back. But in the in the moment, it's kind of unstable, destabilizing us, especially because you're seeing where those injuries are coming. Right now, we lose both of our central midf- defensive midfielders. So now we're on on Jorginho, our third string guy. We lose Trossard. Um, you know, Jesus still can't go 90 minutes. Yeah, that's partly why we saw him come, Reese Nelson come on for him. Uh, right. So, you know, you, I mean, you look at the lineup we had there at the end of the game. Those are not the guys you want trying to close out a game like this. Yeah. Um, which is how it goes sometimes. It's just the hope is that the injuries are small or not terribly long lasting and that these guys are able to, to come back. Yeah. Okay. Who is your pick for player of the week across these two matches? I mean, this this it hurts a little bit, and because so many guys were so poor, I think in the Tottenham game, <laughs> including even Raya for that matter. I used I, some of his distribution was really poor. His long kicks, you know, weren't you know that's which generally another one of his strengths. I mean, he had the good save, but he also had a few other balls. That I was like, oh, it doesn't it isn't quite. I don't think that's what you wanted to do there. Again, I'm not calling for him to be benched or anything like that, but you know, I thought he he struggled at times. Didn't have a lot to do against PSV. Uh, I think for the PSV game, I think you could say probably I, I would go with Saka, Jesus, or Odegaard. Uh, for this Tottenham game, I think you have to look more to the defenders. I thought Saliba and Gabriel, Saliba in particular, but he and Gabriel together, I think did a very good job of of sort of preventing the Spurs opportunities from becoming worse. Um, There's a lot of the passing on the offensive end, even from Odegaard, Saka, um, you know, Rice, Zinchenko. So a lot of the passing and overlapping didn't quite work the way it typically did. Some of that I was reading something that might be some tactical shifts. Um, I guess it's a long way of saying I don't really know. Um, tell you what, I'll, I'll say I'll say Ben White. I thought White was was able to get himself in some dangerous positions against Tottenham. Um, I thought he did some. I, I thought he was part just part of that lineup that was just rolling against against. Um, uh, against uh, uh, PSV. So I, I guess if I pick one guy who, I mean, you know, Saliba and Gabriel were great in Europe, but didn't have to do as much. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to Ben White, who's, you know, just very quietly a really, a really good player. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, for me, I mean, you can probably tell from how I've been talking throughout this, uh, this episode so far, but yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed by Raya. I can, I can see some of the mistakes you were referring to mm-hmm. in, in this match, especially, but, um, I, I'm impressed with his style. I'm, I'm excited to see him more. And I, I love Ramsdale, nothing against Ramsdale, but I am, I am, uh, excited to see, uh, how, how things go as, uh, Raya continues to play. So. Yeah. 
Um, Bry's a good shout. I just I just look at him and say he didn't really have much to do in the PSV game or the Everton right. game for that matter. And then what I saw against Spurs. Yeah, he did some good things handling the cross as well. I thought his distribution was not particularly great. He kicked a couple of balls straight out of bounds, which is yeah. not what you want to do. No. I mean, again, I don't want to pick on the guy. A lot of Arsenal players were poor. I thought Odegaard had a, had a, didn't have a great game. Saka was good for parts of it. Jay Deuce was good for parts of it. But you know. Yeah. Um, one question is just kind of a more minor question, but, uh, this was from the PSV match. So a couple of names that sounded familiar to me. I just wanted you to remind me, do I know these names from World Cup? They played for their national teams or was this from when we played PSV in the group stage in Europa League? So De Jong and Dest? Uh, you certainly remember them probably from, well, I, well, I'll tell you what, Serginho Dest, you definitely remember from the World Cup, uh, because he plays for the U.S. national team. Okay. Um, there's actually a couple of Americans on uh, on on PSV. There's uh, Ricardo Pepe, uh, striker who didn't play. I didn't. I don't believe played in the Champions League game. Uh, Malik Tillman is a reserve midfielder for them. He's he has played. He's gotten a couple caps with the U.S., including I think had one just in the last window in September. Um, actually, also the for the U.S. Uh, their director of football, so one of their management uh, figures, is a guy named Ernie Stewart who, though he was born in the Netherlands, was actually a uh, longtime player for the U.S. national team. Hmm. Um, and actually was very recently, yeah, he played uh, about 100, 100 games with the, 101 games with the U.S. His, his, hmm. uh, his, yeah, I'm looking at some now. His dad was, uh, his dad was in the Air Force and his uh, mom was Dutch. And so he grew up in the wow. Netherlands. Uh, but uh, through his father, you know, was a U.S. U.S. was American as far as the, uh, you know, as far as the international game is concerned. Um, right. So there's, a, there's definitely an American flavor to, to PSV to some extent. Um, as far as De Jong, Luke De Jong, uh, he did play for the Dutch national team in the World Cup. Although when I hear De Jong, uh, the bigger name is, is Frankie De Jong, who I believe is at Barcelona. He's an excellent young Dutch player. Um, I think he's still at Barcelona. Uh, but maybe you are thinking of Luke De Jong. I don't know. Um, I mean, if you played, I did definitely watch a, a few of the Netherlands uh, World Cup matches as they progressed through once the U.S. was eliminated. Mm-hmm. So that that probably is it then. So cool. Yeah. So yeah. So yes, those are recognizable names. All right. Well, tell me what's coming up for next week and maybe slightly beyond. <laughs> right. So uh, the the games are coming fast and furious now. We talked about the energy level. Uh, Two games this week. Third round on Wednesday. We're going to play the third round of the Carabao Cup. So expect to see a heavily rotated lineup. Uh, we're going to be at Brentford, which will be a really interesting game. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I really have no <laughs> idea what's, what we're going to line up. I don't know what Brentford's going to line up as, too. They may not take this particularly seriously either, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, back to the league, we go uh, to Bournemouth. Uh, so we're going to play uh, at the Cherries on Saturday. And then next Tuesday, because we don't usually post this till later in the week, but uh, so at, before we record next time, but or yeah, after we record after we next record time, before we post it, before we post, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Tuesday at Lens or Lens, I don't know how you say it. it's French. The French team in our group in the Champions League that'll be Tuesday Champions League group stage game number two. Sure. Uh, so busy, busy week upcoming. And I'm sure we can count on the commentators during the match to help us find the right way to pronounce a name. I'm, I'm sure that'll get it all straightened out. <laughs> I, I, you have much more faith in them than I do. But anyway, that was sarcasm. It's yeah, funny. My, my son tried sarcasm for the first time today and it didn't go very well. <laughs> uh, 
All right. And, by, for- and by the way, I do want to add lurking, lurking really quickly right after the lens game yeah. on Mar- on October 7th is Manchester City. So, oh boy, it's coming. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and we certainly recommend you do, please like and subscribe. To support the show even more, you can become a Gooner U superfan for ad-free episodes as well as raw, unedited bootleg recordings available the night we record. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the show notes to join. You can follow our show on Twitter at Gooner U Show for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners.